Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Jessica Roth. I am going old school. I'm going to go paper tonight. (laughs) How are you guys? Well, this has been quite a series. Every church that we have studied in Revelation, what a time for us to study what God says to his churches in the last book of the Bible. And I just want to say well done to every one of you that has ministered this. And you guys have just knocked it out of the park and and you have left us with such a hunger for the things of God in this season and in this time. And, and so I believe that God is using us as a church. I believe the church of the living God is alive. It is well. It is hungry. It is moving on this earth. And guess what that means? That means you are alive. You are well. You are hungry. You are moving. And God's authority is working through you on this earth. Isn't that good news? And so tonight, we're going to get into the word. And so if you have missed maybe some of the other churches, We've gone over the seven churches, and I'm closing it out tonight. But if you've missed them, let me give you two opportunities to catch yourself up after tonight. You can get on our app, and you can go back and get all the messages. Or you can go two weeks ago when Pastor Deborah, in the beginning of her message, did an intro and explained all the churches. Now, only Pastor Deborah can do that. So I will not. I will just let you go and listen to her do it. And then we're going to tap into what it is that God has for us. And um, so let's pray, because I need the Lord to to come and to dwell and to be and to feed us tonight. And so would you close your eyes and bow your heads and those of you online, join us because God has a word for you tonight. Lord, we just ask right now, Lord, that you would do a new work inside of us tonight. Lord, that the word would penetrate our hearts and Lord, that you would teach us from your word. And God, that we would not remain the same tonight, but God, we grow up spiritually. Lord, that we would see ourselves in a new way, in a new light. Lord, that we would do what it is your word commands of us to do tonight. And Lord, we just submit our hearts to you and we surrender to you. Lord, we set aside every distraction and everything that would come against your word, trying to steal it from us. And Lord, we just, we commit to listening to you tonight, God. Lord, wear me well tonight, God. Speak what you need to speak tonight to the church of the living God. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you are holy, that you are just. And Lord, thank you for loving us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen and amen. Well, listen, you did not come to hear from a man or a woman tonight. You did not come to hear from a white girl or a black girl or a Mexican girl. No, you came to hear from Jesus tonight. And so he has a word for you. Are you ready to hear the word of God tonight? Okay, well, we're going to get into Revelation. And we are talking about the church of Laodicea. Church of Laodicea. Can you say Laodicea? It's such a fun word to say. Laodicea. You could type it in if you're online. Laodicea, you're like, how do I spell that? (laughs) We will have it up for you. This church was located in a very prosperous city. So maybe we already don't connect, right? Let's just think of Orange County, right? When you drive in and everybody has Teslas and Range Rovers and and like Bentleys are driving past you and you're like, I'm in my San Bernardino ride, you know? And they are a church that is well off. They have many, many textile companies. They are in the medicinal business. They have medicine. They have hospitals. They are actually known for wool. So they take care of the wool field, and then they actually make tons of garments out of wool, and it's actually black wool. Interesting, right? Black wool. And so this is a prosperous church, a prosperous city, a prosperous area. They're also located where there's mineral springs that come up out of the ground, and they're right by the mountains where it comes down in the spring water comes out of the mountain and they have fresh water. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a city. That's a good city to live in, right? But did you know what else they're known for? God addresses them, and I think it's quite interesting. They're known to be arrogant and self-sufficient. Now listen, if you're from Orange County, I'm not saying that about you at all. (laughs) So don't get all upset about this. But God is saying that they are arrogant and they're self-sufficient. I don't know about you, but Christianity and self-sufficiency don't go hand in hand. Because when we're a Christian and we've submitted ourselves to God and to what God's demands are of us, then guess what happens? Then we put ourselves to the side and we take on Jesus and we put on a new creation and we become kingdom and about kingdom business. And so this church was not about kingdom business. You're going, what? But they call themselves a church. Well, God is warning them, and God loves them. So remember, all the books of, the, of all the churches in, in the um, seven churches, God loves. But this one was lukewarm. This one was about itself. This one was an arrogant church. Scary. 
These also can be described as people that were just full of themselves and that they had no room for Jesus. But they like to call themselves Christians. They like to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but they never make time in their life for God and what God's about. Do not think about the people that you know like that. It's not none of you in this room because you're here tonight. But do not go there in your heads because we all can be convicted of this at times in our lives where something gets into our world and it, it takes a place of God, it takes a position of Christ in our lives, and God is talking to this church and saying, you have not made room for me in your hearts. You have not made a place for me in your lives. That's a scary place to be. They did not re receive any praise from Jesus. Wow. They did not receive any praise from Jesus, but yet they loved themselves, and they were still reaching. He loved them so much, even though they loved themselves, and yet here's Jesus reaching out to the church and saying, come. Come on, wake up. Wake up, church. He could have just left them to themselves and let the ruin of their own selfishness take over. But no, this is Jesus, God himself, who came down from heaven on earth, wrapped himself in human fabric and said, I gave too much for you. I need you to wake up. I'm knocking at your door, Laodicea. I need you to not be into yourself, but into who I am and all that I've given for you. Wow. Has anyone in your human relationship ever gone after you like that? Think about that for a second. I'd have to say only Jesus reaching out. This was a church that needed to embrace humility and submission and to surrender to the Lord. Jesus did not turn his back on them, but brings a warning to reconnect them in fellowship with him. This is a warning, church. So we're going to read through Revelation, and I'm actually going to do it in an expository way. What is that word? That is a, when you take the scripture and you dissect pieces of it, and I'm going to pull a thought and a lesson from each piece of it. Are you guys good with me? So I need you to get your Bibles out. I need you to put your thinking caps on. Don't be distracted. Do not let your notifications on your phone like take you away from what it is God wants to say to you right now. Because God is speaking to us, and I believe this is a Holy Ghost moment for us. Revelation 3, 14 through 22, let's start there. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is a message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God and new creation. I want to establish this, this point because we can move past these and go, okay, these, this is not really what we're talking about, but let me just explain to you that when God begins to instruct and correct us. He first establishes who he is. That's pretty big. And in these two, in this just one little passage, he says he is the amen. Do you know what that means? It means that he is the God of truth. That's actually what it's saying. So he's establishing his truth over these scriptures and over the church and over who he is as God, sovereign, omega, alpha, he knows who he is. Not only that, he goes into and he says he is the new creation, a witness of it. That's because he is the founding and he is the establishing one who made creation. He is the settling formation. He is salvation. He is the one who gives new creation all salvation. No other God can give you salvation. No other God before him. He knows who he is and he's establishing his position before he talks to his children. You see, these are not fun positions. I, I think of me as a little girl. You know, when my dad would get mad. My dad's a big guy. And he would, Jessica. And I'd be like, ah. And I would just be scared. But I feel like this is that moment with God in the church. This is who I am. The God of truth is speaking. I am the one who created salvation, and I am talking to you. <sighs> Can you imagine him showing up at your door ready to talk to you that way? Here we go. I think God wants us to pay attention today. And so tonight, I want you to examine yourself. As we go through this church, there's always a piece of each of these churches, have you noticed, that are a part of us. And I don't know about you, but I've been sitting in those chairs, and I've been convicted through these seven churches going, oh, Lord, forgive me. God, take those things from this flesh and from this selfishness and from who I am, and Lord, turn it into who you need me to be. 
That's what tonight's about, is for us to examine ourselves through the word and then change and not stay the same. Revelation 3, 15 through 16 says, I know all things you do. Hold on. You cannot hide from God. So now he's the God of truth. Now he's the one who creates salvation, and he's all-knowing. You cannot hide from him. Okay, are you a little bit more, like, shaking in your boots right now? Because this church was getting it right now from him. He was, he was addressing them. I know all that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were the, I wish you were one or the other. One or the other. You say, why are you being so loud? Because it's an exclamation point. <laughs> But I do think that there's an urgency in Christ. Like, come on, in or out, what are you doing? I give it all for you. What are you doing? I've already showed you that I'm there. I already showed you and proved myself to you. I've already had the victory. I've already reconciled everything back to myself. But what about you? Are you hot or are you cold? Because I'd rather you be one or the other. And then he goes into this verse 16. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. (sighs) Those are like words that you're like, I don't know, let me just pray and find out where I'm at, God. Because you want to make sure that you're not lukewarm. So number one point that we're going to take from Scripture is that we are going to avoid being lukewarm Christians like the Laodiceans were. This church will not be a lukewarm church. Dan and I refuse to lead lukewarm Christians. We're going to kick your butts into hell. We're going to try, I mean, into heaven, not into hell, into heaven. (laughs) We will kick you and we will push you and we will challenge you in the things of God, in the word of God. We're going to deliver the word and we pray that you take it and you allow it to equip you and to fill you and to restore you and turn you into who you've been called to be. And that is not a sit on the sideline Christian. That is a Christian that moves forward and knows the authority of Jesus Christ living on the inside of them. So here we are. We are not going to be like the Laodiceans. And if you find yourself in this room today saying, I'm lukewarm, listen, there's a way home from that. Because he was talking to them and saying, come, I need to talk to you because I love you. God is talking to us tonight and asking us to give him everything. You see, let's talk about this. Here they lived, remember, in that that plush land, and they had spring water coming out of the mountains and mineral water coming up from above. Spring water that comes out of mountains. Have you ever gone? I I live with, like, a mountain man, my brother Luke, and he took us to Bend, Oregon, and he took us camping, and he would walk us by these streams, and he's like, go ahead and drink that water. It's totally amazing. It's already been, you know... um, filtered through the mountain for 15,000 years and he like gives me all these and I'm just like this is amazing this amazing water and that kind of water is refreshing to the soul it's healing actually to our bodies right and God wants us to have that refreshing and then you have that hot water have you ever been into the hot springs you know if you go up by Mammoth they have the hot springs that come out of the ground and they're so hot I remember being a little kid and swimming in them and then my mom would say don't go over there because you actually can burn all the skin off of your body and so we had to stay in one area but it was so cool just sitting in those natural springs and they had minerals in them and they were healing substances they would pull out all the toxins in your body isn't that cool all the holistic people are like amen keep going pastor jess i'm with you because there was goodness and nourishment that came from the hot water have you ever had a cup of tea that was cold and you put some ice water in there it's pretty good right it's refreshing But if you ever had a cup of tea that is hot, ooh, it's cozy on a cold night. And then when it goes down your throat, it warms you from the inside out. Have you ever had a lukewarm cup of tea? It's like, ugh, I need to go heat that up or I need to put some ice in it. It's either one or the other, right? Because the lukewarm is just not okay and that cup is not going to get finished. You see, God is saying, I don't want uh Christians. I don't want Christians that are no good for me on either end. I need a church that is alive and that is moving and that is functioning and that has a purpose. And the thing about this is, is hot and cold both have their own purposes. Are you hot for Christ? Are you on fire for Jesus? Are you cold and you're putting out the quenching the devil's arrows that are coming at you? Church, he's asking us to be alive on both sides. He's asking 
made us to not be in the middle, unusable, unchangeable. You see, God has a purpose for us. You say, why are you so passionate? I'm passionate because I see the potential in who we are, and I don't want you to miss out on it here on earth. This is a God-earth assignment to be the church. You say these four build these four no not the walls. You are an ambassador. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, as Dan talked about, lives on the inside of us. We carry him everywhere we go. And when we forget who we carry, we become lukewarm. And we're no good to the kingdom. God can't use us. He can't move us. He can't put us into play. He has to put us off to the sidelines and go find someone that's ready to go. And the Laodicea church was not ready to go. They were selfish. They were arrogant. They had everything they needed. And God says, I'm going to spit you from my mouth. Woo, to be ejected from God, to be rejected from God. We've been rejected from the world many, many times, right? It doesn't feel good, does it? Hold on, I'm... I'm preaching too good. I got to get a little bit of water. Lukewarm water. (laughs) To be rejected from people in the world hurts, right? But can you imagine getting to heaven and facing God and God saying, I do not know you. I do not, but I know you, God. I don't know you. You see, God does not want to reject us, but he wants to take us in. He wants all of his children gathered. He wants all of us to see the victory. He wants all of us to carry out the purposes that he has called us to. So let me ask you this question. We talked about examining ourselves through these scriptures. What temperature are you at? Where are you at? Would you say, I don't know, I'm kind of on the lukewarm side. I need to kick it up a notch. Well, then how do you get yourself to kick it up a notch? How do you get yourself out of being lukewarm? I'm not going to get up here and tell you what you aren't and what you could be. I'm going to sit here and tell you as pastor how to get yourself out of a lukewarm position. You ready? You pray. You put on worship music. You gather with the saints of the living God and you hold hands and you pray down heaven. You lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You begin to act like the Jesus that lives inside of you. You stir yourself up in the most holy faith because this is your responsibility. I wish I could do it for you, but I cannot. I'm responsible for me. But you are responsible for you and your walk with the Lord. And maybe there's been some things that have gone to the sidelines with God. You will not, my parents used to say this to me all the time as a pastor's kid. You will not get to heaven on our relationship with God. You will have to have your own relationship with God. And I had to work out my salvation, so no condemnation, everyone. I worked that thing out almost into hell. And God saved me and reconciled me back. But I remember if I would have just been warned, ooh, that lukewarm place, that's not a fun one to be in because you slide backwards after that. God is saying, don't slide backwards. Come, come towards me. Come on, let's put you back into play. Let's get you moving again. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands. And it goes on to say that you do not have a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Did you know God has given you all that you need? You don't have to be afraid of what's in your future. You don't have to be afraid of what you're going to face. You can stand in confidence knowing that the creator of the universe, the God of truth, is on your side. And he is beckoning you to come and to be hot and cold for him. But do not be lukewarm. Stir yourselves up, 1 Timothy 4, 15 through 16, in the message it says, cultivate these things, immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both character and your teaching. Don't be diverted, just keep at it. Both you and those that hear you will experience salvation. Isn't that good? When you feel like maybe you're alone in this walk with Christ, let me tell you, you're never alone with Christ. 
Maybe humans will come and go, but I'm here to tell you Jesus never leaves your side. Maybe you find yourself in the worst place and you want to just give up on God. God says, don't give up on me, son or daughter, because I'm not giving up on you. I'm right here holding your hand through the fire, holding your hand in the hard places, holding your hand in the morning and the grieving, but stir yourself up. Stir yourself up, child. Do not allow yourself to sink back, but go further into who I am. You see, God is calling calling these Laodicean churches out. Revelation 3.17, let's move on in these scriptures. It says, you say, I am rich. I have everything I want. Have you guys ever met anyone like that? Maybe not here, huh? <laughs> no. Dan and I actually went to Oklahoma, and we had a friend that was like, I'm good. I don't need God. Like, I have all the money I need. I, I'm happy. I have no issue. I don't have hangups. And we were just kind of like, uh, oh, how do we minister to this person? It took us two years to minister to them. You know how we minister to them? Just by loving them. Just by loving them. And then he came to Christ, and he serves the Lord. And how powerful was that? But I believe that when you are, when you have a lot, it's hard because it's harder for you to hear the things of God. And then here they are saying, I am rich and I've made a fortune all by myself, is what the Hosea said. In Revelation, let's go back there. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize, ooh, this is Jesus coming back at them, that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That was offensive to people like them because they had created for themselves wealth. They had everything they ever wanted. They had discovered medicinal things. In fact, they were known for a salve that they put on the eye that would heal all kinds of diseases in the eye. And so this was like for him to say you're blind, they're going, no, we have the salve for that. There is a cockiness that comes out of knowing that you've got it all together. You may have the answer for it all. And God is saying, you see yourself as rich and you don't need anything. I see you as wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Reject the world, number two, and run after God. It doesn't matter how much you have. You better reject the things of this world and run after Christ. Because when you hold on to things, they will hold on to you. And they will take you down to hell. Now, am I saying it's bad to have things? No. No, I believe God prospers and blesses. We've had people judge us on these things, and I'm going, well, talk to God about it. He's the one who gave it to me. But you cannot let these things have you. And when God blesses you, then you are blessed to be a blessing. And so they didn't get that, though. They were all about themselves, and they were running after their own thing and going after what it was that was good for them because they could. See, the people of Israel also talked like this in the same manner. Go with me to Hosea. Hosea 12. These were the Israelites. And they're talking. The Israelites, how many times does God have to save them? How many times does he have to go before them? How many times? In the book of Hosea, Hosea went after the prostitute and had to marry her. And then she left him. And then he had to marry her and love her anyways, even though she was horrible to him. And it was a, a picture of God and the church. What? God loves us no matter how messed up you are. God comes after. He runs after you. There's nowhere and no place you can hide from him. He knows all. And he loves you. But this is how they respond to him in verse 8. Israel boasts, I am rich. I have made my fortune for myself. No one has caught me. No one has caught me cheating. My records are spotless. Verse 9, but I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Don't forget where you come from. And I will make you live in tents again as you do each year at the festival of shelters. To live in a tent was not what they wanted. Prosperity can be a good thing like we talked about, but it's also described as a deceitfulness of riches in Matthew 4, 19. We can be deceived by riches. We can be deceived by, you know, you've heard those sayings and every rapper that I ever listened to growing up talked about money. All they needed was money. But I'm here to tell you all you need is Jesus. Money should not have a hold on you. Jesus 
is all you need. And God is saying, quit seeking the things of the world that will burn up and have no value, but seek me who has all that you need for your eternal life, for you to have blessings and increase. It comes from God and God alone. See, Jesus refers to these verses as them being blind. The very people that fixed blind eyes are the very people God is saying, you're so blind. Have you ever been in a conversation with another Christian and they're just not where, where they need to be and you're, you've, you're really filled up. You're in your word every day, you're in worship, you're in, you're in relationship with healthy Christians and you're, you're just building up yourself in the holy faith. And then you have a conversation with maybe somebody who's not where you are at and you're going, are we speaking the same language? I've walked away from so many conversations wondering, are we speaking the same language? We both call ourselves Christians, but they're not seeing it. They're blind. Church, wake up. Wake up. It is time for the church to be woke. It is time for us to be awakened to what God is doing on this earth. And if you will just see, turn on the news and you can see revelation being displayed. God is coming for his bride and he's warning us to be ready, not to be lukewarm, but to be on point and to be not complacent, but to be steady, to be stagnant, to be strong and uphold our righteousness. We have to look different than the world. We have to. We have to love each other different than the world loves each other. We have to care for each other different than the world cares for each other. You see, God said that he loves us and he doesn't want us to be blind to these things. Revelation 3.18, let's go there. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by the nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. See, I love God because he'll go back and he'll speak our language so we understand what he's trying to say. This was a rich, affluent area. And he said, buy gold from me because they're buying gold from someone else. But God is saying, you want my gold. You, you want my gold. Then he says, put on the white garment. White garments represented purity. And back then they were, they were textiles and they were into wool. And the wool was actually a black wool. So everybody had similar looking garments. But to have a white garment was different. You were set apart. It wasn't easy to get. But see, with God, you're going to have a uniqueness. You're going to put on a new, a new look. You're going to put on a new attitude. You're going to put on a new human. You're going to put on Jesus Christ. And you're going to carry him around around everywhere you go. We are not to seek the things of this world, but to run after the things of God. God is saying, buy my gold, put on my garments. See what I need you to see. The enemy wants to blind you. He wants to, he wants to confuse you. He wants to bring chaos to you. But God is saying, let me bring clarity. Let me bring peace. Let me show you the big picture. Let me lay it out for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. That means each of you have a, a commission from heaven, an assignment from God, because you're not here for yourself. You're here and you are assigned to be kingdom builders of Jesus Christ. And Laodicea became lukewarm and they were useless. But we, church, we cannot remain useless in the kingdom. We cannot remain useless. We have to go after God. The church didn't even see that they had become wretched. That's scary. It's a deceiving spirit. The thing with a deceiving spirit is you don't know you're being deceived. <laughs> you just don't know. You fall into it subtly. You drift away a little. You don't even realize that you're farther away than you wanted to be. You've disconnected from the people that actually kept you close to the things of God. You found an offense. You've walked away from the church because the church didn't do it the way that I thought they should do it. What is the church doing with their finances? Da, da, da. You can just go there and you can turn yourself off to God's plan, which God's plan is the ecclesia, the church. God's plan is to be taught under an authority that God places on us as ministers, an anointing. 
that God puts on us to study this word, have a revelation for you to get, for you to take in, for you to take out into the streets, into the highways, into the byways, for you to be full-time ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you curse the ministers with your mouth. Laodicea found themselves in places they shouldn't be, drifting in areas they should have never drifted. And just slowly but surely, they just got away from what was healthy for them. And they got further and further from the things of God and closer and closer to the things of this world. You see, they didn't even know they were wretched, poor, or naked. In Isaiah 55, 1 through 3, these were the Israelites, and they were influenced by Babylonian influences. Sinful, sinful people. And they were influenced by them, and this is what God says. In 55, 1 through 3, if anyone is thirsty, come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It is all free. You see, with God, we have more than enough. Verse 2, why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why put your time, your effort, and your abilities into the things of this world that will not strengthen you but kill your soul? Why? Is what God is saying. Why pay for food that does not, that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Verse 3, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all of the unfailing love I promised David. But yet we walk away. And we drift, and we become lukewarm, and we become complacent, and we think it's about us. And God says, this was never about you. Never. This was all about me. This is all about me. And when you put me in the place of you, you're going to be okay. But when you put you in the place of me, you're going to fail. You see, God cares for us. He's warning Laodicea. God is calling them to abandon that Babylonian influence. I found another verse that just is breathtaking. Are you ready? This is like a Bible study tonight. Is it, are you guys okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. It says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that it is when we die and leave our earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. That's just, to me, comforting. Right? Because if you think about tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes, they can ruin our buildings. They can take us down in one instant and we're gone. But the God of heaven and earth, nothing shakes him. Nothing destroys him. And everything he touches is blessed and anointed. Verse 2, we grow weary in our present bodies as long as we put on our earthly bodies like new clothing. Verse 3, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. And while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. Does that sound like right now? We're not happy. I don't like how I look. I wish I could make this body a little smaller. I wish I could heal this part of my body, right? We groan and we sigh. We feel our natural body. But God is not, it says, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on a new body so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up woo, by life. Verse 5, God himself has prepared for us and has guaranteed that he has given us his Holy Spirit. Wow, church. Wow. This tent is fading. This tent is supposed to die. But we put on Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden we step into kingdom. We are no longer just natural, but we are eternal beings with an eternal purpose. And we are church walking this earth, and Satan knows who we are, and he's afraid of us, but yet Laodicea was this lukewarm, no good for church, not doing anything for the kingdom. But I want to be a church that's on fire, that Satan says, oh, I'm afraid of those people. I know not even to go near their dwelling. I know not to touch their children. I know not to mess with them, because they carry an authority that is stronger than mine. You see, when we are church that stands and knows who our living God is, that we don't sit idly by and we will not be complacent. We cannot be like Laodicea. This is a warning to us. 
We need to detach from these ungodly influences in our life. I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be a relationship. It could be voices. It could be a group. It could be your job. It could be, I don't know. I have no idea what you're listening to, what you're feeding in your spirit, man. But it's time to detach, as he warned them to detach from the Babylonians. God is saying, detach from this world and connect to me. James 4, 7 through 10 in the message says, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud, no, to the devil and watch him scamper. I love that. Say a quiet yes to God and he will be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before your master. It's the only way to get on your feet is to come on. We got to get on our knees before we can stand up. Where we start to stand is when we submit and we humbly come before our Father and we say we are no longer us, but we are on mission for you, God. God is calling the church to be alive, hot and cold, but not lukewarm. Do things God's way, not the world's way, church. Whenever a man, I love this, Abraham Kuyper said this. He said, whenever a man may stand, whatever he may do, and whatever he may apply to his hand, in agriculture, in commerce, in industry, in mind, in in the world of art or science, he is, in whatever it may be, consistently standing before the face of God. He is employed in the service of his God. He has strictly to obey his God above all. And he is to aim at the glory of his God. Don't run after the world. But when you are in the world, you are a mission for the things of God. Revelation 3.19. It says, I correct and I discipline everyone I love. So be diligent to turn from your indifference. Point number three. Repent quickly. When you feel that ping, just, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Maybe you said something wrong about somebody. Maybe you had a bad thought. Maybe you, you did something that you knew you shouldn't have done and you acted in a way that was ungodly and unpleasing to the Lord. Repent quickly. Repent quickly. Satan wants to keep you in shame and doubt and condemnation forever. God says, would you just repent quickly and let's move on. Let's move forward. I'm not sitting here condemning, condemning, condemning you. I've already given you a path to just come before me, say what it is. I forgive you. I don't remember. I blotted out of the book and you are good. Wow. Wow. God is saying repent quickly, but I will discipline you in this. So big kids take a discipline. Little wimpy kids freak out, right? I'm not going to freak out when God disciplines me. I'm going to take it on the chin. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do what he asked me to do so that I can grow up. I can mature. I can stand strong so I can be the woman he's called me to be, so I can be the mom he's asked me to be, so I can be the wife to Dan that he needs me to be, so I can be the pastor for you that I need to be. You see, that discipline is healthy in my life, and it's healthy in your life. I'm not here to tell you that it's fun. It's not fun. It's not fun at all. I'm not going to lie to you. It's horrible. Like, it's just horrible when God does it. And you're just like, yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. And then just repent, though. Because discipline is a rebuke, and it means to score, to reprove, to chasten. And to chasten means to instruct. That means God is going to instruct you before he reproves you, before he he scourges you. He's going to instruct you. He's not going to leave you in a state of discipline without direction. God loves you. When I'm mad at my kids and they don't do what I've asked them to do, a good parent says, this is your consequence, this is why it's happening, and this is how you cannot do this again. Let me say to you, this is how next time when you're faced with that, you can get out of that situation and you can make the right decision. I believe God always gives us a way of escape. He always shows us a path of restoration. He always brings us to a place of love. That's who he is. You see, physical discipline should only be used for willful disobedience and, and rebellion, which is also witchcraft. God is not talking about that. Hebrews 12, 6 through 11 says, For the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one he accepts as his child. And as you endure the divine discipline. Ooh, I like that. Divine discipline. It makes it sound pretty. 
Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who has never been disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are an illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since you are respected on earthly fathers and, you, and who discipline us, shouldn't we submit even more to discipline of the father of our spirit and live forever? Verse 10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God discipline, God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in holiness. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But after there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in its way. Oh, that's good news. We can handle the discipline. And when you find yourself in a state of discipline with God, maybe you want to do something and God is benching you right now. Maybe you see yourself a certain way and God is going, mm, no, we're going to get rid of that pride in you. So I'm going to bench you and you're going to have to just follow my lead right now. Maybe there's, there's um a haughtiness that's happening on the inside and God is saying, go ahead and try your own way, but you're not going to get very far because I'm going to discipline. You're going you're to be miserable in this. And until you calm yourself down enough to submit yourself to me and listen to my instruction, because I'm not just disciplining you, but I'm going to instruct you on how to be a better human being, on how to be a better son or daughter, on how to do what it is that you need to do and to take that personality I gave you and to turn it into what I need it for, instead of what you want to use it for. You see, God disciplines us, but it, it produces good fruit. Isn't that good news? So stick in there. Take the discipline. Listen to his instruction because he's faithful. Acts 3.19 in the Amplified. So repent. Change your inner self, your old ways of thinking. Regret past sins and return to God. Seek his purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped out, blotted out, completely erased so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day. Isn't that good? So when he's talking about disciplining us, he always brings it back to peace and a cool wind on a hot day. He's such a good father. He doesn't leave us hanging. Revelation 3, 20 through 21. Let's pick up back in Revelation to the church of Laodicea. Look, I stand at the no door and I knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door. I want to stop there for a second. If you hear my voice. If. Say if. Type it in the screens. If, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Ooh, doesn't that sound good? I want Jesus to come to every meal I have. I want Jesus in every part of my life. Revelation 3.21 says, and those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. We just sang about it. You just sang this song that we get to sit with our Father. That he's sitting in the high places. Did you know that you are royalty now? You are a king's kid. You have a position and a place in the throne room of God with him and beside him. What? Little old me? I'm a hot mess. Not me. You're talking about the person next to me, Pastor Jess. No, I'm talking about you. And there's only one condition to this. If. If you want all that God has for you, if you will answer the door, if you will hear what he's saying, if you will open it to him. Wow. He's so simple, isn't he? And yet so many times we keep the door closed in our lives and we hear him on the other side knocking and we're going, I'm just not good enough. I can't. I can't face him. I can't face him because I'm too much of a mess. I can't face him because I'm not good enough. I hear you, God, I hear you, but I'm just not strong enough. I'm too weak in myself. And God says, get out of yourself and open the door. Open the door, Laodicea. Open the door, church of the living God. I'm warning you, come and let me in. I'm coming for my bride and I need you ready. I don't need you waiting. I don't need you left behind. Listen to God's voice in your life is number four. Listen to God's voice. 
Matthew 19, 28 through 30 says, Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world was made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 29, and everyone who has given up his houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or property for my sake. What? What is he asking of us? He wants us to give it all up. Didn't he just say, don't run after the things of this world? The, the things that you call riches, leave behind and run after me. That's what God is asking, everything. He's asking everything of us. And he says that maybe those, those that will give everything, those that will give it all up, your children, oh moms, can you imagine giving your children up to run after Christ? That's crazy talk. But are those kids our idols? Are those kids our God? What if God asked us to walk away? And some of you had. Some of you have. You have children that aren't serving God and you have not changed your stance. You have continued to serve God. You love them from a distance, but you pray for them. And you've, you're doing that in faith and God will hear your prayer and he will save their souls. But you have to run after God first. And he's saying, those that have given up these things for my sake will receive a hundred times, a hundred times. Look at Job, a hundred times, much, a hundred times much in return, and he will inherit eternal life for 30. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. The first shall be last and the last shall be first is what God is saying. Isn't that amazing? Wow. God is saying, listen to my voice. Hear what I'm calling you. These verses are addressing a complacent church who does not hear the voice of God because they can't. Do not allow yourself to be in a place where God is silent in your heart and in your mind and in your life. Run after God. Get into church as much as you can. Get into the word of God and when you open it up, don't just open it up with tired eyes and, and, a, and a drifted heart. But shake yourself up, church. Get into the word and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want to teach me today? And as you open it up, let the Holy Spirit begin to pour out a revelation from his word that you've never seen before. When you pray, pray in tongues, pray with passion, pray for the lost, pray for the broken, pray for the people that you don't even know about. But God knows you need someone, he needs someone to pray and intercede for them. He's asking the church to be the church in these scriptures. He's asking the church to hear his voice. He's knocking. And if we hear his voice and we follow him, we will be led to beautiful places right beside our king. Isn't that cool? Ooh, God is good. Revelation 3.22. We're going to end. We're going to end this soon. Revelation 22. Anyone who hears, who, anyone who has ears to hear, must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. That means I've got to have ears to hear the Holy Spirit talking. I've got to have ears to hear. That means that I can't put things in that are going to blur out, block, or, or ruin the frequency of heaven in my life. I've got to have a straight and open frequency to God at all times. And yet Laodicea did not. They were distracted by themselves and the things of their world and everything that they wanted to hear. And God is saying, I need to, you to hear my voice and my voice only. Stir yourselves up in the most holy faith, church. Get into my word. Do what it is you need to do. See, Christians here the voice of the Holy Spirit, and they do not need to fear the deception in the last days. If you can hear God, you will not be afraid in the last days. You're going, I don't know, I'm kind of nervous, Pastor Jess. The end times scare me. I get it, because I had to settle this in my heart as well. When I started looking, when I turned the news on and I heard them talk about the one world order like it was nothing, I was like, oh my goodness, revelation, like it's happening and unfolding in front of me, and I was like, <gasps> and I got a little panicked. And the Lord corrected me, and he said, hold on, what are you doing? You hear my voice. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to take you through this. 
And I already told you, I've been equipping you for this moment. I've been equipping you for your generation. I've been walking you and getting you ready for what's to come. Stick close to me, daughter, and you're going to be just fine. Stick close to me and you're going to be used because you're going to be a church on fire for the living God. You see, God is saying, do not allow the fear of the end times to overtake you. But know that your God has got your back and that he is with you and in you and through you in these times. He needed the church of Laodicea to know this because they didn't have ears to hear. God knows how to get our attention, doesn't he? Have you ever just been stopped in your tracks and you're like, I know that was God. He just knows how to get our attention because he loves us. It's after we repent for whatever has blocked us from hearing his voice that he is free to speak and we can hear him clearly. So many times... People as pastors, you know, they'll come up to us and ask us, like, I, I'm not hearing God. I'm just not hearing him anymore. You know, I think I'm missing God. I don't know if I'm hearing him right. And Dan and I, in shift, our young adults group is now just the rock young adults just the rock young adults. But <laughs> it's shift. The young adults was when we took it over. And when we were there and people would come and talk to us, they say they couldn't hear from God. They just couldn't hear him speak. I heard my husband say this over and over and over again, and he would respond to them, well, what was the last thing God spoke to you? They go, I don't know. And he goes, well, you need to go find out. And you need to go back to that first thing that he told you. And if you didn't do it, you're in disobedience, and that's why you can't hear God. You know, some of us have heard God. He's told us to do something for him, and we moved right past it with intentions to do it, but we never did it. And God is saying, go back to what I first asked you to do. Go back to what I need from you. Because the church of the living God is on the move. And we have ground to take. And we have a territory to go after. And the devil has taken too much from us in this season. Too much from our mind. Too much from our soul. Too much from the body of Christ. Too much. And God is saying, go back, my first love. Come to me. Hear me. Repent before me. Do not be a lukewarm church, but be a church on fire. Be a church passionate to know my name and to hear my voice. When you hear me knocking, you open the door because you can't wait to commune with me. Oh, that's the church he wants us to be. And that's the God he is. He went after this church. The one that was the one that was complacent, lukewarm. They were okay. And God said, I'm not okay with you. you. You need to change. I see no good in you at all. It's time for you to do it my way, not yours. Get yourself out of the way. Tonight, maybe God is asking you to get out of the way and to let God be all in your life. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.